2 <clears throat> Corinthians chapter 3. Now, while you're turning there, I want to start off. I'm going to talk about living, breathing, walking, talking Bibles. All right. Um, 2021 has been a hard year, but it's been a very important year for our church. It's been a year of walking in God's word, the Bible. We actually got it from Psalm 119.1 that says, Blessed, oh, would you do me here? Forgot to give that to you. <clears throat> Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. So the Bible says there's a there's a blessing on those who don't just read the Bible, and there's a blessing as you read it, you learn, and it works on you, but there's a blessing in living in it, walking in it. Uh, James 1.22 was our, one of our main verses, says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. We spend an entire year building the word of God into the lives and the hearts of God's people. We've learned 12 great truths. We went through and we learned that the words of the living God are in your hand. You don't need to go to some mountain somewhere or some cave. You don't have to keep looking for them. You've got them. Uh, we learned about the power of the word of God to change a life from the inside out. It's why the world doesn't want you to read. Uh, I don't know what kids are learning, but they're not learning to read. And so it's, they're at a disadvantage because the Bible, you've got to be able to read and think. And no wonder everybody's just lockstep following with the world system. and Whatever their friends do, whatever the world does, kids aren't being, don't have the ability to go, wait a minute, this is not right. I want to follow a different voice. I want to I follow Jesus. And it gets harder and harder, but the power of the word of God to change a life. Then we learned about how the Word of God was made. We actually created a, a the Making of the Bible Museum next door, and we learned about practical living, the cleansing of the Word of God, having a biblical church, learned how to memorize and meditate on the Word of God. We learned 12 very important truths. Best of all was the fact that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But there's one thing we've got to take away from all the things that we learned over the last 52 years, and that's found here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Look in verse 1. <clears throat> Paul says, do we begin again to commend ourselves? Or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you? Epistle is a letter of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you. Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared, that means openly, blazingly <clears throat> declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Uh, even though most of the world does not want to read God's word, the Bible can still be read by everybody in the world, by you living it. You are the Bible that your coworkers should be reading and are reading. And you and I need to worry about, are they reading God's word? Or are they reading me? So <clears throat> uh, let's get into, there's, there has been always, there's been a process of the gradual revelation of God. God has carefully, gradually revealed himself to all of mankind through the following seven editions of Revelation, the seven stages of Revelation. Go to Psalm 19, Psalm 19.1. I want to show you something that's really fun. Psalm 19 and verse 1. 
God first wrote about himself in nature. Space, stars, galaxies, the laws of physics, clouds, storms, math and science scream that there's a creator. Look at Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament. That's the sky and the stars showeth his handy or shows what he has done. So from the very start, I don't care whether you live in the furthest, deepest, darkest uh, forest or whether you're the highest mountain, you look up and there's evidence for God. There is something screaming the glory of God. No matter where you are, it says their word has gone out through all the earth. It goes on from there. It's then been written in every man's conscience. Look in Romans chapter 2. Romans 2. Verse 14, <clears throat> you ever wonder why um, you feel guilty, you know, about doing something and nobody had to tell you maybe that was wrong or whatever, but you feel this guilt and that's because you have a conscience, at least some of you do, okay? <laughs> and and there's, there's, there's just something that God put in us called a conscience that becomes aware of right and wrong. Look at Romans chapter 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles, that's us, which have not the law, we, were, we didn't grow up with the Bible. We, when we do by nature the things contained in the law, these Gentiles, having not the law, are a law unto themselves, which show the work of the law written in their, what's the next word? In their hearts. Their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean, the average, while accusing or excuse, else excusing one another people when they start blaming or whatever, it's because they feel guilty or they want somebody else to feel guilty. And that's their conscience. And God wrote out what is right and wrong. And even an awareness everywhere in the world, somebody worships. People worship in every culture because it's in our conscience to worship. But it goes on from there. Go back to Exodus chapter um, 24, because God then also engraved his word into stone. Exodus <clears throat> chapter 2. And watch the progression here. Exodus chapter, I said 2, chapter 24. Exodus 24 and verse 12. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up unto me unto the mount, there Mount Sinai, and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and a law and commandments which I have written that thou mayest teach them. So starting with the Ten Commandments, God began to have things written down, and it was written in stone, so they lasted. But that's not where God finished. God then became flesh. As we go, let's go to Rome, uh, John chapter 1. It's our memory verse. I want you to see it. John 1.14. All the while, God's word screamed by the heavens. written in every man's conscience. It's not the full revelation, just the mean, which means the, the average, just enough for you to know right and wrong. God put it into stone, and then the word became flesh. John 1.14 says, and the word became flesh. It dwelt among us. I mean, what a thought. Didn't finish there. God then says, all right, we need to put this thing into a complete Bible. Go to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 
verse 9 and 10. Verse 8, start back in verse 8, because I think this is necessary. Charity never faileth, and it doesn't. But whether there be prophecies, hmm, somebody makes a prophecy, well, they shall fail. <clears throat> whether there be tongues, they shall cease. It won't need to be needed anymore. Whether there be knowledge, not just, not just knowledge, but special, supernatural knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we, Paul writing as an apostle and as Christians in the first century, we know in part, and we prophesy only in bits and pieces in part. But when that which is perfect is come. Is that speaking of a person? No. When that which is perfect is come, then all those things which are in part shall be done away. So prophecies, tongues, all the miracles of the New Testament before it was written. When the New Testament was finished and the Bible was complete, those things were done away. We now have the word of God, a completed Bible. <clears throat> 66 individual books, 1,189 chapters from Genesis to Revelation. By the way, it's complete because you come to Revelation. What does the Apostle John say? Don't add to it and don't take away from it. It's finished. We have a complete Bible. But it's not, it's not enough. Because just because you have a book on a shelf or just because there's a, a book in the store or a book in the library doesn't mean it works. It does any good. It needs to be in the heart and the mind of the believer. Go to Hebrews chapter 8. Each time God is progressing and bringing the word of God closer and closer. Hebrews chapter. What did I say? 8. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10. God promises that this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. They already have the old covenant, and he says, there's a new one coming. It's already come. He says, after those days, saith the Lord, I'll put my laws where? I want to put it in your thinking. I want to write them in, the, in your heart. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. It is God's purpose all along that God's words and his laws would ultimately be written in the hearts of his people. And if somebody reads it and believes it, it becomes their life. But I'm going to say there's one more step because, I don't know, somebody handed me a gospel tract. Somebody started me in the Bible, got me reading it. Um, that was all fine, but that was just me. What about the rest of the world? There's one more step, and that's in the transformed life of the believer in front of the world. Second Corinthians, back now to Second Corinthians. And you'll see where we're going with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 2. <clears throat> the Bible is not much good if it's not believed and obeyed and lived by. And the reason why a Christian follows the Bible and lives it is because somebody's watching us. God expects us to live as a visible example of what God can do. What God said, what he expects. If you're saved, you are, you are the opportunity for somebody else who would never pick up a Bible. You're the opportunity they have to know that Jesus is alive and that he's worth following. You're a living, look at your verse, epistle. Verse 2, ye are our epistle. Epistle is just a word for a letter, a, a a, a, a written letter, 
your, our, your life, ye are our epistle written in our hearts. You came from our hearts and you're known and read of all men. Now, no wonder God says the world is without excuse. Somebody says, well, what about so-and-so doesn't know? They know. If you are out on some mountain somewhere, if you've never heard of Jesus, you've never heard of God, but you look up and you look at this universe and go, and you start to make a, a, a God out of clay or out of stone or whatever, you knew there was a creator and you rejected it and you became the creator. And you worship the God of your own hands. You're without excuse. But if you look up and you say, I wonder who made all that. All of a sudden, God begins to activate conscience. And God begins to activate the conscience of a missionary who says, I don't know why, but I got to go up on that mountain and I got to go find somebody who's looking for God. And God will bring the gospel to you because that's how God works. He, he reveals himself. And if you respond, he goes closer and closer with his word. But out of all of God's ways that he reveals himself to the world, this is the best way. As a living Bible, this world needs us. And let me show you why. First of all, I want to say it's because we're the Bible that people read. Now, you probably well know most people don't read the Bible, especially the King James Bible. Oh, that's such an old book. Yeah, I know. I know. But they need you. Millions and millions and millions of Bibles are published and printed and given away every year. We give them away, but most people never read them. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you agree? So our world needs a living Bible. Not just the Word of God. I want people to read the Bible. But God said, hey, let better live it so that they want to read it. Does that make sense? Every one of us Christians, whether we like it or not, are what people are reading you know, parents, that your children watch you like a hawk. They, they read us every day. Uh, we are what our coworkers read. We're what our schoolmates read. We're what our neighbors read about God. We are what our friends read and even our enemies read. They watch and hear what we Christians say. They notice what we do and how we react to problems and troubles. You ever wonder why God gives you trouble? You think you deserve it. You probably do, all right? <laughs> but that's probably not the only reason and the biggest reason why God gives you trouble. It's because he wants somebody who's watching you to see how you handle it, to see you handle it like a Christian does, like the Bible says to. The world has never read Philippians. They've never read Psalms. They've never read the book of Job. How can they know that they can trust God? They've got you. So whether we like it or not, people are reading us. They watch us. Go to Romans chapter 14. Go to left, Romans chapter 14 and verse 7. Now, when you live here, when you leave here, after we're through a church, how many of you get on a helicopter and go to a private island and there's nobody else around? How many? Anybody else here? Some of you like to. Some people want to get away from everybody. I understand. But look at Romans 14, 7. It says, for none of us, liveth only to himself, and no man dieth to himself. You're not living on an isolated island somewhere with no one watching. Believe me, folks, people are watching us. They notice what you and I say and what we don't say. They notice what we do and what you don't do anymore. You know, the world notices whether we really are the real deal. 
They don't care about fancy talk. They don't care about outfits and hairstyles. They want to know, is your God real? Have you changed or are you just the same old jerk? The question is, what are people reading when they read you and me? Are they watching the book of Job, maybe? How's it going to turn out? Anybody know? <laughs> it's going to turn out all right. The world doesn't know that. They need to see you go all the way through whatever struggle you're going through. Are they reading maybe the Psalms by your life as they see you praying and rejoicing and worshiping like David did? Do you see what I'm saying? Every one of us are living out what are, the what are in the pages of that book. Maybe you're living out the book of Psalms. Woo, praise God. I love prayer. I love praising God. Or maybe we're living out the book of Job. Oh, I wish I could die. Let them see you live by this book. No matter where God takes you. You probably have only one encounter with someone. This is very important. I thought about this. You ever gone to Easton's and you see an interesting book and you pull it up and what do you do, all right? You, 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 you look at the back and you uh, take a look at the author and you open it up and you read a few, page, few words or a few sentences or whatever. And in that moment, you decide, am I going to buy it or am I going to put it back and never pick it up again? And that is what it's like when, a, when somebody on the job looks and says, he's interesting. She's different. Wonder what's different. And as they watch you, they you've only got a few minutes, you've only got a few hours or whatever. We're there paying attention. And if you don't take it serious of how you live, either by the book or by the by the flesh and by the world, and if in, in that moment they go, yeah, that may be the only bit of Bible they ever will read. Take how you live, talk, act, and react seriously, Christian. Do you use filthy language? I'm ashamed of a lot of Christians. And you should be too. That you would never say a curse word in this building. But you get in the car and you get on the phone and out of your mouth is coming filth and anger and stuff. You should never be saying now. And if your kids are in the car, they're not reading the Bible, are they now? <laughs> they're reading the devil. Do you constantly complain? That's not what a living Bible does. Do you stay angry? Do you get frustrated constantly? That's not how a living Bible reads. You lose your temper. Somebody's watching you. And your life could put somebody completely off of ever reading anymore. If the Bible they read in you is not much to read and is pretty twisted and messed up and dark, they're not going to go any further and read God's word. Does that make sense? It's very convicting. So start living like the Bible says to live. Talk like the Bible talks. Love like the Bible says love. Work like the Bible says work. You and I, you and I will never be perfect like the Bible is. That's for sure. <clears throat> but the world ought to see you trying to live like the Bible does. Go to Philippians 4, 9. To the right. Philippians 4, 9. Listen to the Apostle Paul. As he talks to the Philippians and he says these words. Philippians 4, 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received 
and heard and seen in me. What's the next word? Do. <laughs> Whatever you've seen me, heard from me, watched me do, you do. That's a living Bible. Jesus says you and I, let's see, I missed that. Jesus says you and I are lights in this dark world. Let's go to Matthew 5. Matthew chapter 5 in verse 14. You're the light of the world. That's a scary thought. <laughs> how bright or how dim am I? You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and, a, and, and it giveth light, and all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before people. Who could be ashamed of being a Christian? Who could be ashamed of living out what God says? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Um, one more scripture. Philippians, to the right, Philippians. Chapter 2, in verse 14. This would be a great scripture to put over your dining room table. 2.14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. All right? <laughs> Get rid of the arguing and the constant grumbling and complaining. But, you know, that's not... It's not for just the home, it's for the Christian. It says that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, which we are, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. In verse 16, the, the first artist says, holding forth the word of life. So shine. Um when you go back to 2 Corinthians, go back a few books to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, there's something just before verse 1. But God says, don't mess with his revelation. What is, what, is, what is the risk of raising your children right, teaching them right and wrong, teaching about God and Jesus and the love of God and to love one another and to serve one another? What is the risk when you send them off to the national school? What's the risk when you just let them off into the estate with all the kids? What's the risk? Doesn't always happen, but what is the risk? Somebody's going to mess with their conscience. Somebody's going to mess with their mind. Somebody's going to mess with their heart. And that would make you very upset, amen? That'd make you furious. And that has happened in an in, in infinite number of ways constantly. And so you're taking home your kid who's who wants, you know, can you imagine having a beautiful uh, young daughter growing up in your home. She's she's just pleasant to be around. And then when she turns 13, she wants to kill herself. She's piercing every part of her body and tattooing every inch of her body. And she's uh, uh, running from life and from, from home and everything. Can you imagine how that would feel as a parent? Somebody messed with them, let me tell you. 
That would make you angry. Well, it makes God angry when people mess with his word. Look at your Bible. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 17. In Paul's day, 2,000 years ago, it says, For we, we apostles, are not as many which corrupt the word of God. There were people who were twisting and perverting and editing and changing the word of God. But as a sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ, in Christ's place. The Bible has always had its enemies. Back then, people didn't like what the Bible said in Paul's day, so they changed it. And a lot of people don't like somebody who doesn't drink. They don't like people who don't use foul language. They don't like people. So what do they do? They begin to put the pressure on to change that person. Isn't that funny? And no wonder people don't like the Bible because it talks differently than they do. I, I, I read, when I got saved in, in 1980, um, there was a big deal about all the new versions that were coming out. And I picked up many of them. I still have them. And as I read them, I went, I don't want to continue to read this. This is not the word of God. It talks like I talk. I don't want to hear somebody talk like me. I want to hear somebody talk like God. And yet that's what people want. They change and they edit and they end up corrupting. Just like they did back then. And they're still doing it. Somebody was changing the perfect word of God. Let me tell you. Let's move it to the Christian's life. I'm trying to live by that Bible, but I don't change my life because I get a little bit of persecution. I don't change how I live and how I speak simply because people don't like me now. Does that make sense? Because just as wrong as it is to change the Bible, it's also wrong to change the living Bible. You know what you should find when you go from church to church to church? The same basic ethos. The same basic Bible preaching, Bible living, the same kind of people who just love one another and love God. It should, be, it should not be focused on entertainment. It should not be focused on all the social issues. It should be focused on Jesus Christ. Are you following me? And yet most Christians constantly adjust the message that they're living now. And the world doesn't see anything worth following. Now, you and I can't win the world by our life. Don't imagine for the second that your life will so exemplify God that they'll fall down and say, I know I'm saved. No, no, people don't win people by a life. People get saved by the word, amen? But if you want them to read that book, and God so desperately wants people to read the book, if you want people to be convicted in their heart, if you want the law to work and to bring them to grace, they need us to take our lives seriously. So all that we've learned, what am I getting at? All that we've learned over this last year about the word of God now is to be lived so that people get into the same book you love. Words on a page are not all that have been corrupted. Christians have been corrupted. The gospel has moved from the preaching uh, against sin and of righteousness and coming judgment to prosperity and happiness. And, and, and peace and love and joy. And they moved the gospel. They've changed it all. And so Christians are a mess. And it shows. You notice how many people point an accusing finger at us and say, you say you're a Christian, yet you do that? I'm sure none of you have ever heard anybody say, I thought you were a Christian. After you said something or did something, you oops. <laughs> That's very embarrassing, isn't it? 
Have you ever heard somebody say, you Christians are just a bunch of hypocrites? They're right. People are quick to point out your God, your Bible, your belief hasn't changed you one bit. How convicting would that be? You know, the world knows to expect better of us than we do. Don't do that. Don't change the message. Don't adapt to the world. Stay by the book, folks. Stay in the book. Let it live through you. Be a walking, talking, living, breathing Bible. Just follow the directions. And I tell you what, not only will you be safe, but it changes our world. It gets them hungry for the Bible. So until the rapture, four thoughts and I'm done. Number one, live by, speak, and act out God's words. God's words. Make sure you're living out God's words. When I was uh, um, uh, a kid, I still remember mom, my mom reading a book by a guy named Dr. Spock, Benjamin Spock. Anybody hear of him? Maybe not. He was world famous on child training. He said, if your child is throwing a temper tantrum, let him. He'll get it all out. If your child wants something, if it's within reason, just give it to him. That's what Benjamin Spock taught. It was a small little book, probably only 150 pages long. My mom bought it. She never agreed with it, so it didn't work with us anyway. <laughs> but I remember that book being in the library there, and I remember all kinds of philosophies and things. The way to train your children, the way to have a good marriage, the way to, to be sane has been changed and adjusted and modified and newly written and revised. I'm going to stay with the old way because this book still works. Everything that the world keeps coming up with, I just laugh at because it's just rehashed old stuff. I'll stick with the one that stayed true all the way. Stick with God's words. You may find the wisest person who's ever spoken on a subject. Make sure you compare it with the word of God, because if there's a difference, I'll stick with the book. And show those words. Show God's words, not your opinion, not my opinion. Show God's words in what you do. People need to see us living God's words out. Secondly, living words. There in 2 Corinthians, I don't know if you're, you should still be there, 2 Corinthians 2. I'm sorry, chapter 3 in verse 2 says, Ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, served to the world by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. Do you know the Old Testament? The commandments were written in stone, kind of cold, absolute. And that's okay. That's right. I like knowing what is right and what is wrong. I like that. Not everything is so clear usually, but that helps me. But when it comes to the gospel, God writes it in the heart. You know, when somebody gives you the gospel, they give you the law, but isn't it wonderful when they give you the heart and say, I want you to get saved. I don't want you to go to hell. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to, to know the joy and the life that's in him. People are tired of seeing the same old worldly reactions, the same selfish reactions, the same carnal reactions, the same religious traditions and ceremonies that everybody else has. They're desperate to find something that works, that is real. 
That when they go through a storm and you've been through the storm, they can say, I'm going to trust his God. I'm going to trust his Savior. You and I are not a robot. We, we, we actually have hearts. We just don't say, oh, just, just do this. Oh, just pray that. No, that's not how we live. We show people. I kind of give you the example. When I was a kid, I do remember telling my younger brother, clean up his room. My mom told me to tell my younger brother, clean up his room. You know what my younger brother did? Nothing. And so you know what my mom said? She said, show him. Uh -huh. So I went in. I started picking up all the stuff and putting it in the box. He was only two or three years old, maybe four. And I'm putting it all in the box. And what was my mom showing me by that that I didn't understand until years later? You can tell somebody all day long about what they need to do when what they need is for it to be shown. Does that make sense? And if you ever tell somebody, you know, you need to get saved, you may need to show them what that means. You just need to learn to trust and believe in the only Savior of this world like I did. But use your testimony. Act out spiritual words. John chapter 6. Gospel of John, chapter 6, and verse 63. Jesus says in John 6, 63, It is the spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing, doesn't do you any good. The words that I speak unto you, what are they? They are spirit. And they are life. The, the, the words you're trying to live out are spiritual words. They don't always make sense. And they, they don't move mountains and clouds and storms and problems, but they move hearts. You know, uh, John 63 says, for us to do things the world doesn't normally do, live spiritually. Live in another kingdom. I'm living right here in Balancholic. I live, it's 2021, almost 2022. But I live in a different dimension. I live in a spiritual kingdom called the kingdom of God. And in that kingdom, I can forgive anyone. I can forgive anyone. In that kingdom, I can love anyone. Because of that kingdom, because I'm living in that kingdom, I can look into this kingdom, into this world, into this darkness, and I can shine, and I can affect this world because... That kingdom has affected me. Live spiritually. Don't live emotionally. How will you live if you live emotionally? You'll probably knock people off their, off their feet. You'll probably, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. No, no, no. Live spiritually. Spiritual words. Say things that make people think. In simple words. Go back and we're finished with this one verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Still in the same chapter. But if you really are a walk and talk in Bible, don't show off by quoting something that sounds like Shakespeare. Don't walk above the crowd. Don't think that you're so super knowledgeable because honestly, nobody cares. Use simple words. Your life should be a simple, straight-up life like God's word is. 2 Corinthians 3, 12 says, seeing that we have such hope that we do, we use what kind of speech? Now, when you go to the doctor, what do you expect him to say? 
you have a gastrointestinal infection that is that is causing diverticoli. Divertic, I can't even remember the words. Yeah, yeah. Um, in, in, in your upper colon. You expect them to say all that and say, you've got constipation. <laughs> I mean, he can't charge you 60 or 70 euros if he says, you got constipation. Here, dig, dig some figs. And, and we expect them to talk so up. And people have come to expect that when they meet a Christian, you're going to talk way up in the stratosphere. Don't do that. They expect that when you walk, you walk on air. They expect that you never have problems. Do you understand? How many people have come to me and says, Pastor, you don't have problems. I go, boy, do you need an eye opening. You don't have the problems like I do. And, and my, my, my statement here is very simple. Live in a way that is simple so that people see Christ and not you. They just hear you say simple things that come from the Bible. This book is a simple book. It actually, I was, I was uh, uh, reviewing some notes of some studies I did before, and your Bible is written at a first-year level in secondary school. That's it. It's not. I know most kids in the first year can't understand it because they haven't been taught to read, but it's written at a level that anybody who's had just six years of education, they can read every word of the Bible, and they can put it together and get an understanding of it. It's not that complicated. I mean, Jesus said, ye must be born again. <laughs> I don't understand it. There's only one two-syllable word in there, all right? <laughs> the wages of sin is death. Only one two-syllable word to get in there. Well, the wages, that's one syllable, of sin is death. Good, only, there's no two-syllable words in there. It's simple, amen? And our life should be simple. A walking, talking Bible should live simple, and straight. You and I are so worried about keeping up with everybody. I, I, you know, do, do we do we have a, a newer car? I mean, I'm watching everybody else getting all these cars and stuff, and you go, yeah. I need to be worried about, is my life simple and straight enough for people to see God's word in me? If I worry about that, then I'm doing what God wants me to be. You are living epistles, living, breathing, walking, talking pages of the Bible. You're living letters from God that he wants everyone to read and learn about him from. So what are people reading when they see us? Do they see a comic book life? Do they see a worldly compromising sinful life, a hypocritical life, or do they see the gospel lived out before their eyes. Do they see the struggles of the book of Job? You know, if you ever go through the valley of the shadow of death, they ought to be able to read Psalm 23 in you. I will fear no evil because God is with me. Do they ever watch you sing the songs of Psalms? Do they ever see you enjoy the the joys of the epistle to the Philippians. Rejoice in the Lord, Paul says. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know where Paul was when he wrote those words? In prison. So what epistle are you living out at the moment? You probably go through different epistles in the Bible. 
Whatever epistle the Lord has you living out and living through, just let the world see you get through it like Jesus did. Because that's the end goal. To get people to want to know the author of the book that has so affected your life. If that book could really affect you, it'll make somebody else hungry to read it for themselves. Don't let this year be wasted. 52 weeks we've learned about that book. And there's a, there's a million people out there who will never pick up a Bible until they see it being lived in you and me. Let's stand this bound prayer. I wonder if there's anybody here today that never knew just how important it was for them to live out the Bible, to be doers of the word. I wonder if there are some people who've sort of gotten cold and they stopped caring about being watched, being noticed. They don't care about how they talk or how they live. They, they don't really worry about their life being anything more than what they want it to be. Right now, Lord, I pray that our hearts would be convicted, that we be reminded that we are not our own. And we're still in this world. We were left here. When we got saved, we didn't get taken straight up to heaven. We were left here. Now we know why. We're left here to be a living example of what the grace of God looks like, of what the word of God lives like and can do. Lord, I pray that this next year, we would live it. We've learned it. Now help us live it. If there's anybody in this room who'd like to talk to me about their soul, about Christ, about being born again, Lord, I pray today they'd make that. We're, we're coming up to the end of the year. We have, no much, we have no idea how much more time we've got on this planet. We could be gone tomorrow. So today's the day of salvation. If only somebody would look at my life and go, all right, I see just something in there that tells me God is real. God is good, that God is true, and that his, that his word is worth reading. I pray, God, please help us all to have that desire that somebody would notice something in us so that they get saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.